Welcome to the Afterbirth Podcast. I'm Jazz. And I'm Liv, and we're your hosts. The Afterbirth Podcast was created to be a space for you to share your postpartum story in your own words and listen to others share their experiences. In this show, we'll be talking bleeding, feeding, late night Google reading, and so much more. Each episode, we'll delve into all of the weird and wonderful parts of the postpartum experience with real parents and experts. We hope these stories help you to feel empowered, educated and prepared on your own postpartum journey or just help you to feel more connected to others whose stories might resonate with your own. Now let's get into today's show. Before we get into the episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the lands on which this podcast was recorded, the lands of the people of the Yugambeh language region and Darawal country. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a brand new season of the Afterbirth podcast. We are so excited to be back. Um, Liv, how are you feeling about a new season? Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, I actually spent our whole break trying to think of another word for excited because I feel like I use <laughs> I feel like I use that word so much, but I am Um and I didn't come up with any other words. So you're just going to hear about how excited we are. That's okay. Um, You'll hear me say amazing like so many times. <laughs> <but it's fine. laughs> um, no, but we're really looking forward to this season. We have some incredible guests lined up. There are going to be some pretty heavy stories, uh, some lighter ones, and lots of wonderful uh professionals in the postpartum space which yeah it's um this is the reason why we started this hey to share people's stories and to hopefully help some people by giving them advice that that we wish that we had uh when we were in those early days or um when we were planning for our own postpartum so yeah I think we've got a really great season lined up yeah, and uh, we've been listening to all your answers to our polls and our questions, and we've been using those to collate the the types of stories that we're going to release this season. So all your answers have been heard, and we hope um, questions, sorry, have been heard, and we hope that we can answer them for you. So, yeah, yeah, we have loved um, still. It's sort of the engagement that we've had through our little recording break and um, still just keeping in touch with a few of you. A few people have reached out to us wanting to share their stories. And yeah, I think we touched on it last in our last episode of season one, Jazz, what a privilege it is to be in a position where we get to share these stories and and hear these stories. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to you guys hearing it it as well yeah definitely we've even had some people reach out and just say that they've actually been approached by other podcasts wanting them to come on and tell their story but it's never felt right and then to hear them say that our space feels like the right space to do it in is yeah it's really heartwarming and we like Liv said we cannot wait for you to hear um yeah some of these amazing stories that we've got coming yeah so our first episode of season two we actually recorded a few weeks ago uh it was while we were recording for season one so this episode is with Liv and Liv had a pretty interesting maybe a little bit of a different trajectory to what we're sort of used to with her postpartum so her first 12 months were I guess relatively easy as she describes them and then things started getting hard for her around that 12 month mark. And she talks to us about how it was hard for her to reach out for help at that point, because, and I think so many of us have felt this way at that 12 month mark. And I think probably even after like four months, you sort of feel like you're not postpartum anymore. And so it's hard to reach out then and say, Hey, actually I was doing okay, but now I'm struggling and I'm still postpartum and I'm still learning. And yeah, you sort of feel like you get forgotten about a little bit. So I think this episode really speaks to that experience. And yeah, it was great for Liv to share that with us. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think it just sheds light on motherhood in general that we always need help most of the time. And we don't, we don't always ask for it because of that stigma around, you know, oh, we're not postpartum anymore. We're not new mums anymore. We should have it all together when really we could be 10 years down the track with a 10 year old and still have no idea what we're doing because each year is different and each experience is different. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely sheds a light on the fact that we always need help and we should always feel comfortable asking for help um, from the people around us. So yeah, it's a lovely episode. And we also talk about her amazing business um, that she created um, while she was in her postpartum period. And um, it's really innovative and really cool. Um, so we can't wait for you to hear about that either. Yes, I love uh, you guys will hear about it. And I think I might even say this in uh, our chat with Liv. I love how Liv had a problem and she just like a complete boss just created a solution to that problem and that is her business that we talk about during this episode so yeah looking forward to sharing this one with you guys and yeah should we get into it sure let's get into it hi Liv thank you so much for joining us today would you be able to start by telling us a little bit about yourself your family and yeah let's just start from there Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here. I've been loving your podcast. Um, my name is Liv. I live in Melbourne with my husband, Charlie, and my almost two-year-old Gus, um, and I'm a stylist. So great. And we got in touch with you through, and we will talk about this a little bit later, through your stylist business. Um, and you have released an amazing package recently uh, for specifically for mums. Yeah. And yeah, I'd love to talk to you a bit more about that uh, sort of towards the end of this chat and how your postpartum journey led you to that. Yes. Yeah. Great. We can speak about that. <laughs> cool. All right. So do you want to, let's just start at the beginning. How, um, Talk to us a little bit about your initial postpartum. So I, I had wanted to be pregnant for ages and ages and ages. And I'm really lucky. My mother-in-law is a midwife and I'm really close to her. And my sister-in-law is a nurse who has three kids and one on the way. So I feel like I was really well-educated with birth because of them and pre having the baby. I knew everything, do my birthing classes, have my whole plan and all of that. Um, my mother-in-law was with me my whole birth and it was great. I birthed how I wanted to. Um, and because I, we had Gus during COVID. So we knew all along, if, if I wanted to stay in the hospital, Charlie would have to go home, um, because you couldn't have partners stay. So I'd be by myself. So we knew all along that we'd, I wanted to, we wanted to go home as soon as we could after giving birth. So gave birth at 9.31 and we, I ended up leaving the hospital at 1.30, which probably isn't, I don't even know if that's actually legal, but oops. Um, but yeah, very quickly. We left very quickly because we were lucky Jane was going to be with us at home and look after us anyway. It's, we had the same amount of care at home. So came home and it was great. So excited. My family, my parents came over and met Gus, which was like the best moment of my whole life. Um, my best friend came and met him. And then Charlie's from quite a big family. So he had... He's got six siblings. Um, and so that night we just got chicken and chips. We had some champagne. It was on, sorry, this, so this is the second night. So first night we stayed by ourselves. So this is the second afternoon, day two. Um, he, so all his siblings came over and we were just having like chill chicken and chips, had a champagne. And Charlie noticed that Gus's breathing was a bit off. And we'd obviously, we'd done like first day, we'd done all the birthing classes and he said to me, he's like, oh, I feel like his breathing's a bit funny. But I just was like, he's a newborn. They, they're always a bit funny. Like I held him and I was like, no, I think it's okay. We'll flag it with your mum, but I think it's okay. Um, and Which, yeah, we now I would probably be the one that would be like, oh, my gosh. But I just was like, no, it's fine. He's just, you know, a newborn. Anyway, and then we told Jane and she's very relaxed. Like she's like quite, she's, she's great. She's so relaxing and very like calm about everything but I could tell during the dinner 
I was watching her hold him and I could tell she was counting and like kind of checking his heart. She was counting his breaths. She, she'll probably, she, she doesn't know that I could tell. So then I started to be like, oh, what's, what's going on? Anyway, everybody left and she just, we sat down, she was holding him and she's like, I'm just going to, just going to do some, some checks on him. She's like, I think we need to go back into the hospital. And you, you go, you like bring your baby home from, from giving birth, like, you know, 30 hours of birth, bring them home just to, you know, you're expecting like love bubble, breastfeeding, putting them in the cot, you know, being at home with all your flowers and balloons that people have sent you. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And I'm not, I'm not a medical person. Like I, I don't know. I just don't really know anything about that kind of thing. Um, so I just freaked out. I just was thinking the worst. I was like, what's wrong with him? Like he can't breathe. I was, we hopped in the car and I was just a mess. Like I was, I had barely slept. I'd had like two hours sleep in 36 hours or whatever it was, two days. Um, and I was just freaking out and lucky because she worked at the hospital and it's a 12 minute. So I gave birth at Box Hill Hospital, 12 minute drive from our house. So we hopped in the car and we actually got to go straight to the special care nursery. So we, we, yeah, got to go straight to the special care nursery, which is amazing. But she, because it was, she couldn't come in with us, not sure if it was because it was COVID or she might just not have been allowed, but she kind of talked to us quite a bit on the way just to and explain to us the hospital dynamics like we were really close with the midwives she said yeah she just explained a few things and, and she was like you know you're a mum now you have to advocate for your son you need to be strong you need to trust your gut call me whenever you need but you basically was saying you need to be strong but I, I was like why like you know they're the doctors they'll tell me what I need and I just this was a complete new world for me like I just would always just trust and they're all amazing and I know doctors are amazing midwives are amazing but I would just trust whatever anyone said to me and take the antibiotics or like I wasn't I just didn't it's a whole new world anyway so got there and it was just went from me having gas and then they took Gus from me put him in the little what's it called the um like an isolate for a yeah. humidity yeah. yeah yeah so put put him in one of those and I was just sitting in this tiny room on this chair, just like bawling my eyes out and I wasn't allowed to touch him. Like I was breastfeeding. My milk hadn't come in, but wasn't allowed to touch him. Um, they didn't want me feeding him. Didn't want, and cause I, I was, I was doing skin on skin at home. Like I, we, you know, we learned all about that. I wanted to do all that anyway. Then they actually, they were doing all these tests on him. They like did a COVID test on him, just did all these tests. And I was just like, nodding saying yes to everything when I was literally just had no idea what was going on and then they said to us they're like you have you, you guys should just go home because I hadn't slept I was waiting for my milk to come in so they were like the best thing for you right now would be to actually just go home and try and rest and I was like how could I possibly go home and try and rest like that's this is I don't even know what's going on anyway I was bawling my eyes out I actually just said do you mind can I just stay for at least a couple more hours so Charlie and I just had tried to sleep on the just one chair that was in there. I couldn't sleep anyway. They ended up doing the test and then telling us coming out and telling us that he had sepsis, um, which I actually had known about because my dad had a scare once and we thought he had sepsis. So all I knew that that was really bad. And then I'm googling and everything, and then ended up I ended up going home because I just had to sleep. Like I was going crazy I was bawling my eyes out and upset so we went home so walking home into like my house which was set up to have Gus there looking at like I'm just like go to bed and look at like an empty bassinet next to my bed and I just obviously did not sleep anyway so the next day they tell us so visiting hours at eight till eight and you're not allowed to sleep there so like you, you everyone has to go home I didn't I don't know if that was actually I don't know if that's a COVID thing or it might actually just be a special care thing because it's not. I think in a lot of special cares and, and NICUs, you can't sleep. No. But yeah. Yeah. So, which to me, I just found that crazy. Also, because every time I went in there, I walked past all these rooms with like adult beds. So I had baby blues and I was going, can I please just sleep in one of those? Like I was begging them to stay. I just couldn't, like, I'm so attached to him. And even now I'm so attached to him. I'm like, I can't have a night away with him I've held him in my in me for nine months like this is just crazy anyway just the whole the whole special care 
situation was just full on like it was doctor yeah so sorry I'll backtrack a bit more um I really wanted to exclusively breastfeed that was like my whole plan and Jane was advocating for me saying like you need to feed him like you need to be feeding him now otherwise it's not going to work but then I had doctors in there telling me that they didn't want me to touch him because he also had a rash and that was still so they had told us it was sepsis originally but then they kind of came back and said oh we actually don't think it's sepsis anymore we think he's got a bug then they just were doing lots of tests and it was all a bit confusing none of it was straightforward we never really knew what was going on actually still to this day we don't actually know what he had um but I was then, so I had midwives coming in saying like, just try, just tell them that you, you want to feed him and that you want to do skin to skin. So then I was baby blues, so upset, no sleep. Also, I'm not a confrontational person. Me also having to kind of, it was almost like I had to fight with these doctors to hold my son. And Charlie, my husband is amazing and he's so calming and he's a lot better with all the medical stuff than me. So he did a lot of the talking for me, but I was a mess. We ended up kind of getting our way. But then I also felt as though we were a bit isolated in there because I don't think a lot of the doctors agreed what we with what we were doing. So I kind of felt as though if he did get worse, I probably would have felt like it was my fault. Anyway, it got better. So he started getting better. We were only in there for three nights. Um, they put him on antibiotics and he got better. And then they sent us home and we, ne- we still don't know what he had. Like, I don't oh, know. Wow. Yeah. They, he kind of just recovered. Like for, it was from thinking he had sepsis to him recovering. And even now I still think about it now for my next baby. And I know I'm going to, cause I'm like, is it because I left the hospital so early? Is it because I, did I have a bug when I was pregnant? And like, I just wish I knew what he had. So then. I don't know. I'm I'm just so I'm actually really scared it's gonna happen again for the next. And then I'm like, was he even sick? But I'm like, yes, he was sick. Like you're just your mind races. Yeah. So I think was- those initial few days are already such a blur for any new parent, regardless of if you have all of that extra stress added in. Yeah. And so yeah, you really you really got thrown in the deep end there, didn't you? And I think um, something that that really resonated with me is that you had that one night at home with him and then it almost just feels so cruel that yeah. and Weird. The, the next few nights you couldn't have him him with you and yeah that it makes me feel so sad that that people are put in that situation it's like a blur like it was weird that I and I would it was four days or three nights of just complete like I barely slept I was just driving to the hospital driving home couldn't eat and like obviously you're meant to be this is when you're meant to be taking the best care you're meant to be eating you're meant to be being healthy sleeping so your milk came in luckily enough my milk came in and my breastfeeding journey was fine but they were and you know what blessing and for anyone that's listening this is actually a really good tip that and I'm so glad I did I actually collected lots of colostrum in my pregnancy and while I was doing it I hated doing it and I was like oh I'm not even going to need this but like this is ridiculous blah, blah, blah. thank god I had all that because they ended up just syringe feeding him with that instead of giving him formula and I honestly think it would have that that saved my breastfeeding journey for sure um so I was really really lucky with that and I think I listened to one of your podcasts recently and someone said that special care isn't set up for new mums and that's how I felt like it was very like I'm sitting on this uncomfy chair like there was I was bleeding I had the baby blues I was bawling my eyes out hilariously I this is a bit of a funny story I I'm a bit ditzy and I learned about skin to skin so I was like yeah I want to do skin to skin but for some reason (laughs) when I was learning about skin to skin I thought it just meant when you breastfeed you always have to be (laughs) completely Like you have to be nude while you breastfed that skin to skin. So I'm in special care, bawling my eyes out, bleeding, like my eyes, I was looked like a swollen, like it looked like I'd been stung by a bee. And I was, it was middle of winter and I was basically naked. Every doctor, I didn't care, every doctor, people next to me. And I'm just nude feeding Gus because I thought that's what you had to do. 
Like, and I look back now, I'm like, could have just fed him and then done a bit of skin to skin. But no, I was like walking <laughs> around like a nudist. Yes, I, I love him. that. That's so funny. That's kind of liberating in a way though, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you were like, isn't she cold? I would have looked like a nutter anyway. <laughs> I always joke about um, like when I had my first, we were in hospital for a few nights and like I'm pretty sure I didn't wear a top for most of that and like the cleaners would come in and you'd just be there with just nothing on. Yeah. Like those cleaners have seen some things, hey. So funny. (laughs) I ended up completely naked in birth, like because I tried to have a water birth and I couldn't because I had COVID. They didn't want me in there. And I, because my bra was wet, I took it off and I just ended up completely naked. And you just forget, like. Yeah, you don't care. When you're caring for your baby. You just don't care. It's just boobs as well. Like at the end of the day. (laughs) One of my friends uh, gave birth completely naked except she kept her socks on oh no I think that's so cute issues (laughs) hilarious (laughs) yeah so cute all right so your initial few days were very stressful but it sounds from what we have spoken to you about before we started recording like the next few months went pretty well. Yeah, I was I was actually quite shocked and my family were all a little bit shocked. So everyone was like, oh no, I'm can be a stress head. So they were like, oh, this is going to throw her. I'm going to be checking his breath. I'm going to be staring at him. I'm not going to want to leave the house. But I, yeah, I don't know, we brought him home. And it, honestly, I asked my husband before when I was talking about this podcast and he was like, He's like, yeah, well, we, we had such a great postpartum. Like we we had such a positive experience. And I'm like, do you just forget about the first week? And he's like, oh, yeah, that. But it doesn't feel like that was part of our postpartum journey. It just feels like that was just a blur. But, yeah, then we got home and probably for, yeah, we we had a really positive experience. We, it was, went back, we actually went back into lockdown. So Charlie got to stay home, which is amazing because he works six days a week. So that was a relief for me. Um but we, yeah, I, I loved it. I just, we went on walks, we relaxed. It was not too much of a strict lockdown so that like people could come over and visit, but it was like we didn't have to do any crazy commitments. Um, and, yeah, I didn't actually have any anxiety about the special care thing. Like I could just trust in my gut and see that Gus was so healthy, obviously going to my maternal health nurse catch-ups and everything, he was healthy and I just kind of had to put that aside. Still don't know what that was, but that was done. He was completely fine. So we had a really good few, like, yeah, probably six months. Obviously it's, you know, it was, there's, you know, no sleep, all of that kind of thing, but I loved it. Love bubble. You get some, I've got a great support network around me, my parents, my husband's parents um, and family. But it was probably when Gus maybe turned one that I think that's when I probably struggled the most, probably from when he was one to when he was 18 months. And that was more so because I feel like when you have your baby, you get people dropping you meals, you can nap as many, like you nap when they nap. I know that's not always easy, but I would go on nice walks, have a nap when Gus was napping. I would go to bed really early, wasn't expected to go to, you know, every drinks that my I was also I'm the first one out of all my friends to have a baby so I've my lifestyle has really changed in comparison to theirs so they still do you know go out for dinners at seven and then drinks and I kind of that was actually a bit so that was a bit difficult like my lifestyle changing but still yeah I feel like I brought Gus with me everywhere in the carrier he was fine everything was great but I think when he turned one he was napping less still sleeping not sleeping like he our sleep journey I know sleep's a touchy topic but our sleep journey hasn't been amazing he's very wakeful he was still waking probably six times a night I was still feeding him I was exhausted but I think because he's one and I haven't got a baby anymore I'm not in that um, love bubble newborn phase I was expect I guess it's society and no one was actually putting pressure on me to do any of this but I felt like I was I'd started my business, so I was working, going all to the all, like going to all the social events that I was invited to, trying to be a good friend, good sister, good daughter, you know, as well as be a mum. But I was exhausted. He was napping, he's down to one nap. He would 
like he would go to bed so late because I couldn't get him down. He would wake up six times a night. I'd be feeding him. He would wake up early and he's so active that I was like, I just felt like I was comparing myself to all the babies around me who are now sleeping through. And these mums are like glowing. They're going to the gym. They're going back to work. Their babies are going for sleepovers at their grandparents' houses. And Gus, which is also my, me, like I'm really attached to him, but we still haven't had a night away from him. I co-sleep with him. We co-sleep with him. So I guess I, I, I knew I couldn't compare it. I know that everyone does different things. There's obviously different there's sleep schools. Some pe- babies just sleep through the night. There's so many, so many different factors. But yeah, I just felt like I, when I, where I needed help the most was probably when you kind of get it like a little bit forgotten about. And that sounds horrible because I actually have really good support. I don't want people listening to be like, but yeah, I just feel like society in general does forget that they're still a baby. Like I was, he still needs me as much as he did when he was born. To be honest, even like even more, I couldn't leave him with people like he's now in occasional care, which is amazing. But yeah, it was difficult. I was still breastfeeding as much. I was still waking up. To be honest, I was waking up more throughout the night, but I was getting less care. I think not only that, not only are they still a baby, but you're still a new mum, you've never been a parent. Sorry, I've got Chatty Charlie in the background. Um, you've never been a parent before. You've never been a mum of a of a one-year-old. And like, you know, even for second, third plus time parents, they've never been a parent to this particular baby before. So yeah. I think it, it, it is a real reflection on society that you sort of felt like you couldn't express how you were feeling because you felt like you weren't seen as a new a new mum anymore that was deserving yeah. of that support and yeah 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 I feel like and I just kind of kept thinking to be honest it was I think it was the sleep also I was sleep deprived like I was so exhausted and I did I know that there is stuff that I could have done. Like I could have not gone, like I was still going to every birthday and we had so many weddings on. We had, which is great. And I want to be there and I, I'm a social person. I do love, I love catching up with my friends and everything. So I I could have drawn back and chilled a little bit more, but I was also like, I also don't want to. Like I, I want to be able to enjoy those times, but then I am still up six times a night. He's waking up at 5.30. Like, yeah, it was, it was hard. The sleep, sleep, the sleep has scarred me, <laughs> scarred me from having another baby anytime soon. But yeah, it was hard. I think it was, it got probably, yeah, I, I think I was looking around thinking, why is he not, why, like, is he bro- broken? Sounds rude to, to Gus because I know he's not. But why is he, I felt like he, I had a particular, like a very, very needy, um, clingy, emotional baby which is but that like some people do like that it's he's got his own little personality and he's beautiful and I would also probably be upset if he wasn't like that so you can't win but I did feel like he needed me a lot more than any of the babies around me were needing their parents that could have just been in my head as well I'm not sure but I was exhausted I I can relate to that my both of my boys have been very much like that I'll go to the gym and we've got a crèche there and the other babies around the same age are always happy to like just be popped down on the ground and have a little play or whatever. Both of my boys, even Patrick still at two and a half, they need to be near me. Yeah. And, yes. and I can really relate to that questioning. Like, am I doing something wrong here? Have I made them like this? Are they always going to be like this? why does everyone else seem to have these babies that they can just put down in a bassinet and then say night night and they just go to sleep when I'm still two and a half years later laying down with my toddler every night for 20 minutes until he falls asleep yeah yeah exactly yeah and I think we need to talk more about that and normalize some people don't like sleep training just doesn't resonate with some people and that's okay. Like, yes, I'm allowed to not complain, but I'm allowed to sort of 
that be a bit frustrated at the fact that my kids can't fall asleep independently sometimes but also not want to sleep train them that's that's exactly how I felt like I felt like I couldn't complain and because we co-sleep which to be honest that was an accident that was because he wouldn't go on the bassinet so then he ended up just in our bed and then it's just honestly it's the best way that we all get sleep but because I do that I feel like I yeah I can't complain about it I can't talk about it because then people will try and help and be like, well, send him to this school or do this or do this training. And I'm like, I don't want to do it. But I, because I know that he will sleep one day and I, and I love, I do love how we sleep with him and all of that. But yeah, it takes a toll, but you're ex- it's, it, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like I couldn't complain about it because of what I'm doing, but I'm also so exhausted. And it just got to this, it was probably six months from when he was one to 18 months. I think I hit rock bottom in January, it was in January when he was 18 months. And I was like, I actually can't be waking up this many times a night anymore. I started to like, I just wasn't myself. I was so sensitive and we made a few changes. We night weaned, which, so I tried to night wean, um, which was a disaster. I tried three times and it just didn't work. It was too hard. I ended up with scratches all over me. Like he just, he's so used to just me feeding him all night. So if I'm in the room, what happened so then my husband night weaned and that was amazing so when yeah he sleeps really well with my husband but still we're still working on it with me but we're getting there with some gentle changes just a bit before Gus was one um did you go see um a GP or anything and get your bloods done or your thyroid or anything like that so I actually want I still want to do that I because when I was pregnant with Gus don't worry I (laughs) I want to do it (laughs) When I was pregnant with Gus, I, my iron was really, really low. It was like four or something like so low that they were like, how are you getting out of bed? But I felt completely fine. Um, so I actually would be really interested now because I am noticing and I do think it was, it's me feeling I was so depleted from, yeah, that, that period, my hair was falling out, my skin. I just felt like my, I just didn't feel like I looked like me. I couldn't even think of eating something healthy. I was reaching for sugar I was like, you know, when you're so exhausted and you're just like, not yourself. So I obviously spoke, opened up to Charlie about it. It was probably this January. It was after the summer holidays. I think I just had a bit of a breakdown and was just burst into tears and was like, I need to make changes. This isn't, and I didn't feel like I was being the best mom. Like I, well, I was giving, doing everything for Gus, but just more like, I would love to like get up and take him to the park and like go for walks and like take him to Collingwood Children's Farm. But I was so tired that I was just like, I got to the point where it was just like day after day and like I was still doing all those things with him, but I wasn't enjoying it. I felt like I wasn't there. So I stopped sleeping with Gus and now Charlie sleeps in a separate bed as me. It's another thing that I feel I actually get embarrassed telling people that. But so he sleeps in a bed with Gus and co-sleeps with him and I sleep in my own bed. So I started getting a full night's sleep. Oh my gosh, it was, I like feel like a completely different person. So then I was able to be, fully there for Gus during the day um I we also so he hasn't been in he hadn't been in childcare, so we also signed him up there's an occasional care near our house which is because of the whole sleep thing the child cares I I didn't know how someone else could put him to sleep like he needs my boob to get him to sleep now he's better he can fall asleep in a pram but I don't think that I could ask one of the teachers to take them for take him for a walk in a pram um so I found an occasional care that looks after Gus Tuesdays and Fridays just for three hours in the mornings so that's amazing I get my own time there um so yeah I think I just I I just spoke to people I told people how I was feeling I asked for more help um I get so Charlie's mum still works she's incredible I get lots and lots of help from her my parents my mum's got early onset dementia so she can't actually look after Gus and my dad's amazing but he's got mum so I think I just had to kind of make a plan ask for more help when I kind of, yeah, I, I changed my schedule a bit. So I would go over to mum and dad's house so they could mind gas, even if I was there, just so I could like relax and chill out a bit. And even just taking the pressure off myself, I think I just had to have a chat to myself and think, stop comparing yourself to every other mum you know. Like you were saying before, they everyone's got their own struggles. I just need to kind of focus on Gus and focus on me and get through this next stage. Yeah, that's so true. 
we have touched on this quite a few times now and it's just such a common theme that keeps coming up the the village and just however you whatever the village looks like for you and however you choose to use it it really all it really all um affects your your well-being and how you get through those really tough times yeah it's crazy it does take a village and that's another thing I feel like these days it's like I I and this is a me thing I get guilt when I ask people to mind gas or people will be like please like let me know I can I can mind it whenever and I'm like I just feel I feel guilty even though they probably love hanging out with him but again as well he is quite attached to me he actually has been amazing with other people now so I need to even saying this aloud I actually need to still I need to reach out a little bit more because there are people around me but yeah I feel I feel always feel like a burden asking people to look after him it's funny very that's, common. <laughs> yeah, that's such a, a common mum thing, hey. And just like something that I've had to start rewiring my brain to think is if people are offering to help, it's because they want to help. Exactly. That actually makes them feel good. Like if if I offer to help a friend out, like to take their kid out for a few hours or whatever while they get some rest and they actually accept that, I love that. Like yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm helping them. Uh, yeah. I'm doing something good. Like, uh, I mean, maybe that's like a very selfish thing on on my part, but I that's get something true. out of that. And so I think, yeah, we have to sort of try and rewire our brains to think that's how you're making someone else feel yeah. when you accept their offer of help. Exactly. It's just everyone, I feel like these days everyone's so busy. Everyone's like so hectic. When I when I grew up, we had we lived in a street with all kids the same age and we used to all just go to someone's house and the, like one of the parents would just look after like 10 of us and we'd all just like hop around, dinners down the road. It's so different now. It's so different. It is. Like I don't even know if I know I've met one of my neighbors. We've lived in this house for two years one of them and they wouldn't have had a clue that we had a baby five months ago yeah easy isn't it I would love my house to be like a revolving door but Hmm. these days do you notice that when you have kids you notice the disconnect and you notice how busy people are and you notice it's just because they're busy like people are so busy with work and life and I know where I'm in Sydney and Sydney is chaos like um everyone's just got their heads down trying to you know save for a house and you know work hard and everything so yeah it's you do you don't want to ask people for help because you know that they're doing their own things and they've got their own challenges and then and I ever noticed when because I was the first to have a kid as well a baby and now all my friends have babies and they I've offered help but they don't take it and I'm like okay it's it's all of us and it's yeah, yeah. it's and I wonder, I just wonder why, like, why can't we, why can't we ask? <laughs> yeah, I know it is. It is funny. Mm. Yeah. My, my friends were, they were incredible, but yeah, I think it was also me wanting to let, I was so attached to Gus. Mm. I struggled even leaving him with my husband. Like even when he was six months, I'd, I would go to Woolies and he would stay with Charlie and I would be so anxious or I'd get a haircut. And I actually have had an anxiety attack like twice sitting in the, chair because I wasn't with Gus I was so I felt so attached it's, it was crazy I don't know if it was like a breastfeeding thing or I don't I'm not sure but yeah I would have full and I haven't had I used to have anxiety attacks when I was like 14 haven't had them for years and years and years and since becoming a mum this year I've probably had like four and it's been when I'm away from Gus yeah motherhood really brings out that that side of you doesn't mm. it and just he relaxes me when I yeah. see him, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has a really funny way of reopening old wounds and then healing certain wounds at the same time. Yeah, I I always describe it as like all of a sudden your heart is on the outside of your body. Yeah, and when you can't see them, yeah, you you feel like a a piece of you is missing. Patrick's first day of daycare I was like so I was so excited that he was going to daycare and I he was 15 months old and I was going to have a day to myself and I just spent 
the morning just wandering around my house thinking I miss him I wonder what he's doing right now he's like it was it's like when you finally get them to sleep and then you sit there looking at photos of them. Like, oh, yeah. We or, do that all the time. All the time. Or <laughs> Gus, oh, Gus will have a good night's sleep and my brain's like, oh, he's sick. He's, he must be sick. And it's like, no, he's just slept. He's just had a good night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You find yourself checking on them all night. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. So let's start talking about your business. So you started your own business you said around when Gus was one yes so I actually so I used to have a clothing brand with a friend so I I was and I worked in fashion agencies and I was kind of always in that area and I was all I always said to myself I never want to become a mum that like becomes a mum and then suddenly everything's just about being a mum you've got a business about being a mum anyway I am that now that person um so I I would just, I bec- like made lots of new friends, like as I was saying, because I was the first out of my friends to have kids. So I kind of met, I I met not actually through my initial mother's group, um, but I met lots of friends like just through Instagram and friends of friends and things like that and became quite close to lots of them. And I just noticed that like a, a, a hot topic that we would talk about is how people would have like a wedding and everyone would just be like, I just... I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what to wear. I don't know what to wear. Can't wear any of my old things. And even I, and I've always been into fashion and I love shopping. I'm a shopaholic and love planning outfits and everything. And as soon as I had Gus, what did I, I had a friend's 30th. I had a few things on and I found my, I found that I kept thinking to myself, well, I can't wear that now because I'm a mum. I can't wear that anymore because I'm a mum. I could, I can't wear a short skirt because I'm a mum. Then I'm like, I have, why? Like, I can wear a short skirt just because like, it's just, yeah. So I got thinking, I think it all started because a few people asked me to like take them shopping and plan, like they didn't know what to wear to a wedding. And it's like my hobby. I love finding people outfits. So I helped them out and they were really happy. And I was like, okay, maybe I could actually do something with this. So I started Rattle, which originally was, um, well, which actually I still do this side of the business, but it's personal styling. So it, I've I've marketed it to mums. It's actually can be for anyone, but I do like working with mums. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's outfit plans for events or if you just want a new wardrobe, anyone that kind of wants to to figure out their identity and dress to make them feel happy. Because I just feel like lots of people just don't know what to wear, so they'll just grab I don't know gym clothes every day and. Mm-hmm. That they want to dress they want to dress in a certain way so I start with the consultation with them find out how they want to dress then I go and find all the outfits for them um but my yeah I've just launched a package called mummy mode which is a basically like a mum uniform because another thing I found I like I love dressing up and I love getting ready to go to events and everything but I just actually can't with like with Gus I feel like because my husband works Saturdays I'll have like a 30th on or a wedding or something and I was we just get really angry because Charlie would get home like I haven't got time to get ready so I thought as also Monday to Friday I'd be wearing trackies jumpers which again completely fine mine right now um gym clothes but I just wasn't feeling good when I was you know sleep deprived just I just was feeling crap and I was like I thought to myself I need a mum uniform I need something that I can wear weekday like Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday that's easy to grab it's comfortable but I don't look like I've just rolled out of bed so I started shopping for me and then said mummy mode is basically a mum uniform. It's five outfits for your life as a mum. That's really cool. I um I know for me, like as soon as I became a mum, I would open my wardrobe. And even to this day, I still open my wardrobe and I'm like, I don't like any of my clothes anymore. I feel like that's not me anymore. And I don't even know what my style is anymore. So when you sent us through um, the catalogue and stuff, it was really cool to see because, yeah, you just don't, you're going through such a metamorphosis and such a change that your style changes, your mindset changes, it all changes. And, yeah, like for me, I love clothes. Like I, you know, I used to love my wardrobe and now I can't stand it. <laughs> I know. It's it's weird, isn't it? I think it, you're right because, like, we're still the same person but we're really we're actually really not like we I've completely yeah your priorities change 
everything changes. So yeah, I was the same. I'd look in my wardrobe. I'm like, I can't, I can't wear that. Mm. But I, yeah, I, I really want to help people find that, like find their own personal style and help them dress for their personal style. Because I know that that makes me feel the most confident if I'm wearing something that I, and even if it's crazy and people don't like it and people might look at me like, what is she wearing? When you're wearing, when you're wearing something that you love and that you feel com- comfortable in, you're com- like, you're more confident. So mm-hmm. I think it's important for new mums that have had like their body change and their minds change to feel that confidence. Yeah. And I think with the whole body change thing, like there's certain clothing that suits your body type, whereas yeah. like other clothing doesn't. So to have someone, I've always joked with Dean, like, just give me like three grand and I'm going to hire a stylist and I'm just going to go, I just, cause I have the big hips, but the small waist. So it's, you know, I love high-waisted things, but it doesn't always look good on my frame. So like, yeah, yeah once your body changes, you can't wear the certain things anymore. And to have someone you know, advise you the right cuts, you then put it on and you go, oh my God, this actually looks something that you wouldn't have picked out for in the first place. You put it on and you go, oh my God, this is actually amazing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so mummy mode came out or you released it over the Easter weekend. So yeah, so I released mummy mode. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do, I wasn't actually going to, but it, I'm, it did go quite well and I got a little bit like quite a bit of traction so I'm actually going to do more mummy modes um it was meant to just be a one-off package because I'm kind of because it's a new business I'm testing out different things that work I love the personal styling I still do it but I feel like this business model is working better for me and my lifestyle um so but yeah I'm actually going to do I'm going to make it a series so I think I might do another mummy mode in like three weeks time or maybe I'll do, I've, I've still, it's still in the early days, but I think it's going to be, and I'm just going to keep doing mummy mode packages maybe once a month. I'll do like capsule wardrobe, pregnancy wardrobe, breastfeeding wardrobe, that kind of thing. So yeah, there'll be, there'll be more mummy modes to come, which is exciting. Super cool. I love that you have taken your, a problem that you had and you have just come up with this yeah, really, really clever idea. I, yeah, I, I really, I admire that. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it all goes well. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you talked before about sleep and how it has sort of made you go not ready for for more babies, but you also talked at the beginning about how you sort of. We're super excited to be a mum and is this you done do you think no no I'm definitely I want three but so I thought when I first had well before I had a baby I was like well so Charlie's got six siblings I've only got one brother and I've always I used to beg my parents to have more kids so we always wanted like four but I was like we'll push them out you know we'll have gas we'll push them out you know you you know it's close in age because all his siblings are really close in age I think Jane and he's a twin so I think Jane had like five under the age of six or something crazy so and I love they're they're the best like it's so fun they're all best friends so I've I always wanted that and now I'm like Definitely can't, definitely the age gap is getting wider and wider as we go on. I think because I'm like loving doing rattle. I love where my life is at the moment. I've just started to feel myself again. I said to Charlie, Charlie wants one. Charlie already wants another one now. But I said to Charlie, I need like six months of good sleep. Doesn't even have to be good sleep. I don't even care if he's waking up twice a night. I need six months of feeling myself again. And then, yeah then I'll, I'll be ready. But no, I'm definitely getting there. I'm definitely getting there. And then I think this year we'll start trying, but I thought, I honestly thought I'd have another baby by now if I'm, if I'm lucky enough, but yeah, I, I thought that I would just be like, I was the same. Cause my partner's also, he's like, let's go next one. And I'm yeah. just, I'm not ready. <laughs> like I thought I would be, but now I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm starting to feel myself again. Like with Liv and I doing this podcast and stuff, like even working from home, like it would make it easier to, you know, be pregnant and everything like that. But that sense of losing yourself again to, to that, to that is, it's a lot. And you don't realize that until you have your first baby. And then you go, can I actually do that again? Like, do I have it in me? I, I didn't particularly like pregnancy. I found it quite debilitating. So 
mean, like, do I really, really want to do that again? <laughs> you might have an amazing pregnancy next time. I, I know. I think all so. different. Yeah. <laughs> I could have a horrible one. Who knows? But yeah, I, that's how I feel. I'm like, and I, after the first thing I said when Gus was born, I literally looked her in the eyes and I was like, I'm never doing that again. Like I'm done. I'm never doing that again. And now obviously hormones, everything. I was like, oh, I'm not even scared to give birth again. Hmm. But now I, it's the, it's the, the fact that I know that when I have another baby, my life now, which I love, it sounds selfish, but we take us everywhere. Like I've got my best friend's wedding on Friday. He comes to everything with us and that's so great with one baby. I said, I feel like once you've got two, I feel like a lot more changes are going to have to happen, which will be great and amazing. But I think I just want to live my fun life a little bit longer. <laughs> it's not selfish at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's because you can't prepare yourself. Like I was always around Charlie's sister-in-law who had has three kids, fourth on her on the way. And I was looked at her life. I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. I thought I'd be taking Gus to Chadston shopping with me. He'll just come around to all my styling things. Easy. It's like, no, I can't do one thing when hmm. he's with me. So it's so hard to get anything done, especially like that, that age one to 18 months, like Aura's one now. And I can't get anything done. The only time I get to work is when she's sleeping. Yeah. And what's funny is Dean, my partner, he works from home one day a week and she doesn't nag at him she doesn't annoy him she's she's happy to do her own thing but when it's me she's at my knees all the time and that's the thing oh Gus was so bad in the car for months and months and months I did not want to drive anywhere he would just scream 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 and then when he was in the car with Charlie because some days I'd be like you have to drive him I can't do it Charlie's like I don't get what you're talking about he's fine I'm like he screams the whole time when I'm in the car Mm. it's like when they drop like I used to work in childcare, and when the mums were there dropping off and picking up that the kids were completely different and then as soon as they're gone they're angels like yeah. they're so they smart feel, they, feel safe. they let all their emotions out all right well I think we probably should wrap up there it has been really lovely to hear your story live so far and yeah we're we're so excited for what's to come for your business I think that you're going to do big things thank you so much I've loved chatting to you both and yeah oh thank you yeah it's been um it's been really lovely to hear your story thank you thank you so much thanks have a great day Liv bye (laughs) bye Well, that's another episode done for today. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. If you are a postpartum professional or you'd like to come and share your story with us, please reach out via our socials or email, which you can find in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. We will be releasing a new episode every Wednesday. Wednesday.